When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll take it right up until 9 p.m. Then it is Gordon and Larry, Larry and Gordon. We got not a one but a two Monday night football games to keep us company this evening while we're doing our little thing. You got the Saints and the Panthers coming up in about 45 minutes. Then Browns and Steelers, an AFC North showdown coming up at 8.15. You got one on ESPN, one on ABC, so it's all in the family here of the mouse. And I think that that is something that the National Football League is experimenting with even next week as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're going to get two games uh, in Monday night next weekend as well. Let me just see, just to confirm, I don't want to lead you astray. Yep, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, Rams, and the Bengals. There you go. So you get two Monday night games next week as well. But we got plenty of other things that we have to address apart from the Monday night football games, of course. And this is our first. I'm excited because this is our first Overreaction Monday show of the season. Because we didn't get a chance to do one last Monday because normally when we do our show, we have this thing called the Jets and the Bills Monday Night Football. Isn't it amazing? You go back a week from now, right? I'm at MetLife Stadium in the Coaches Club with Greg. And probably right now at about 630, I think we had Roger Goodell on with us. Like So this time a week ago, we're talking to the commissioner, talking about all the pomp and the circumstance and the high hopes and Aaron Rodgers and everything that the Jets are going to be this year and what they could do and on and on and on and on and on. And then... Boom, we know what happened four plays in. So fast forward to this weekend. And you have the Jets going down to Dallas in a game that was going to be difficult regardless of who their quarterback was going to be. And you had the Giants going into Arizona needing to win a game in any way, shape, or form. Right? I mean, we talked about that all last week when it came to the Giants. I, for one, not a believer in style points. I do not care. I'll ask you a question. I mean, if you're a Giant fan right now, all right, you're sitting there one and one. You got a season. Okay, you're off of life support. Would you feel better about your team today if you went out there and lost a 50 to 45 shootout, but you're sitting there at 0 and 2? Or do you feel like you should feel? Like you got to win. You raced the three-touchdown deficit. Your quarterback played outstanding football the final two quarters of that football game. And now you at least have a season, even though it's not going to look too optimistic for you going into San Francisco on a short week on Thursday night, which is even why yesterday was even more important for you, and you absolutely had to win that game. So here we are, two weeks into the season. Giants are 1-1. One one. Jets are 1-1. One That's the state of New York football. Shoot, I mean, over the last decade, we had seasons where both of these teams were 0-2 right out of the gate. And we're already sitting there wondering about, well, when's basketball season start? You know, what are the Yankees going to do in October? And can't the baseball playoffs get here soon enough? I didn't include the Mets because the Mets haven't been in the playoffs that much over the last 10 years. I'm just throwing it out there. As much as it hurts, it's true. But we don't have that situation just yet even though both of these teams certainly have their flaws and certainly have their things that they got to work on a little bit here. 
We'll get to the Jets in just a little bit. And, you know, we talked about it all day yesterday on our air, the post game. All you guys, a lot of you voiced your frustrations. We know how that one was in Dallas yesterday. It was downright ugly. It's more about what's to come of it moving forward. That's the type of game yesterday for the Jets that you just flush. You forget about it. You're going to look at the film. You're going to make your corrections, but you're not going to sit there and, like, obsess over it. You lost to an NFC team. You're not going to see him again for another four years. Who cares? You would like to win it. It was more about how they played than the final result. And so how do you carry that with you into an even more important game coming up on Sunday against the New England Patriots at home, which, of course, we'll spend plenty of time on here. But I want to start with the Giants. Because yesterday, unfortunately, you know, when we're locked in doing the Jets and the Giants are playing right up against it, which is what happened, you know, I can't necessarily concentrate on both of those games. I got to devote my attention to the Jets because that's what they're to do, right? So I had to go back and watch the Giant game last night and really dive into it and, and, and you know, kind of get, get my teeth into it a little bit there. And again, I keep going back to what I said. You may feel differently, but style points don't matter. Now, Conveniently, we were just throwing out there, well, if they went on a last-second field goal, well, they won on a last-second field goal. But we didn't paint a scenario all last week that they would win on a last-second field goal after coming from behind down by three touchdowns, right? That was not the scenario that we kind of envisioned playing out because the Arizona Cardinals are a horrible football team, right? They are unapologetically trying to lose football games. And then the Giants almost interfered with their plans yesterday. Right? Without their best player, Buda Baker, who wasn't even playing yesterday. Buda Baker just got put on IR today by the Cardinals. So it's like, yeah, they had no problem making that transaction. No Buda for the next four weeks minimum. We're good with that. He could have maybe helped us win football games. But you're sitting there at halftime yesterday as a Giant fan coming off of a playoff spot, coming into a season with still high expectations, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, as you're down 20 to nothing to, in my estimation, the worst team in the entire National Football League. You look at the first six quarters of your season, it's 60 to nothing. 60 to nothing. Now, think about some of the worst teams that you have ever seen in the history of the sport, as long as you've been following it. I'm not just talking about here in New York with the Jets or the Giants. Anybody. Anybody. You'd be hard-pressed to find a season that began with that team, whoever it might be, getting outscored 60 to nothing out of the gates for the first six quarters of the season. Not in your wildest dreams did you think that could happen if you were a Giant fan. And it was pretty bleak. But I wasn't giving up hope. I thought they could get back in this football game. And then they come right out of the shoot there in the second half. Jones connects with Jalen Hyatt on that big pass play. But then the Cardinals come right back down the field, and they put another touchdown on the board. And then it's 28-7 midway through the third quarter, and you're saying, oh, my gosh. Like, 0-2 might be a reality here. Right? 28-7 midway through the third quarter. You were probably feeling worse than you did just 15 minutes before at halftime. 0-2 is not supposed to happen for this football team. It's not. And then what makes it even worse is that in four days, 0-2, in all probability, becomes 0-3 because you're not beating the 49ers on Thursday night. You're not. And 0-3 would mean what? Your season is probably over. 
Yes, I know that there's still 14 more games to play, but if you dig yourself an 0-3 hole, what signs would you take from that as a fan of this football team that you would actually be able to climb out from underneath it? I don't think you could, especially given the fact that you've got a schedule which is pretty unforgiving as you move forward through this season. Then the quarterback took over. Four touchdown drives in the second half of that football game. The guy that we saw in the playoffs in Minnesota play his absolute you-know-what off, that guy showed up in the second half out in Arizona yesterday. So it's there, right? That wasn't a fluke. The ability is there. And I know that Arizona stinks. I get it. But imagine the alternative. Imagine what the alternative would be right now if we were sitting here having this conversation, you and I, and the Giants are an 0-2 football team, soon to be 0-3. They put up almost 400 yards of offense in the second half alone. Now, I know you're probably driving yourself crazy, and the coaches are probably saying the same thing, like, well, where was this in the first half? Right? Where was it? I know Saquon going down late in the game with like a minute left. That puts a damper on things a little bit, sure. I get it. He's not going to play Thursday. And the reports are, you know, he might miss a couple of weeks here. I get it. Very eerily similar, even with the ball glancing off his hands for that interception, just like it did last week against the Cowboys. Like, it was too much kind of deja vu in the first half of that football game yesterday. And then even the defense finally showed some life in the fourth quarter because we don't want to absolve them. They were bad in the first half. They were putrid. I mean, I don't know about you. I I, I was getting sick and tired about watching Josh Dobbs basically run all over them in the first half of that game. Scaping the pocket, scanning the field, fitting the football into tight windows. I mean, this is Josh Dobbs for crying out loud. This guy hasn't won a game yet as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So, yeah, there's a lot to fix after the first two weeks of the season. A thousand percent. You even had the offensive line that they were shuffling around a little bit there because Andrew Thomas was out. They moved the Zudu over to left tackle. Then Bredesen gets a concussion in the third quarter. He's got to exit the game. So even though it was against an opponent that is awful, that's a gutty win for the Giants yesterday. It is. Wins are hard to come by in the National Football League. There are no style points. You know, look at the Washington Commanders right now. They're 2-0. I don't... I don't know if Washington is good or not. I really don't. But Washington's 2-0 right now. They've won their two games by a combined six points. Six points. Or would you rather be the Chargers right now? Chargers are 0-2, and they've lost their two games by a combined total of five lousy points yesterday in overtime to the Tennessee Titans. And they're an absolute mess right now, but you guys know how I feel about the Chargers and their operation and the people in charge. It's a joke. You take wins any way you can get them in this league. That is the bottom line. Because look at what you're staring at even after San Francisco on Thursday. You come back home to take on a Seattle team. A Seattle team, which yesterday, if you weren't paying attention, looked like the team that made the playoffs last year. And they went into Detroit and beat the, 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 the NFL darlings and the Lions. Right? They won a good football game in Detroit yesterday. Geno Smith played a really, really good game. Then you go to Miami. Then you go to Buffalo. Good luck in those games. So if they didn't get this win yesterday, you tell me where the so-called guaranteed easy should-win victory is coming for the Giants in the first six out of the gate. 
Huge win. Absolutely huge win for this football team. And you know what? Whether Brian Dayball was calling plays in the second half, whether it was Mike Kafka, I know that Dayball's never going to admit to it anyway because he doesn't want to throw Kafka under the bus. I get it. Regardless, whoever was calling the plays, it still comes down to the execution. And it comes down to the players out there on the field. good friend of mine likes to say it's not about the play calling, right? Players just got to go out there and be better. And that's what happened for the Giants. So, yeah, I understand it wasn't perfect. Believe me, there's a lot of things to dissect and to pick apart. But the guy who's the most important player on the team, he looked pretty good in the second half of that game yesterday, right? You got Daniel Jones that you hope you're going to get for the rest of his Giants career. And you're not supposed to beat the San Francisco 49ers. You're not. But at least you got a win in your pocket now from this trip out to the West Coast that you can maybe, just maybe, still salvage something the first half of this season. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. I'd like to hear from Giant fans especially ones that aren't satisfied with just winning a game by three points. You don't think the Jets would have taken a three-point win yesterday down in Dallas? Or any of these other teams that walked off the field with a loss? It's the NFL. It's hard to win in this league. We'll get into the Jets stuff, and there's plenty to dissect with that as well. We'll go around the league a little bit later on in the program, get into all the Week 2 action from around the National Football League, and there was plenty of interesting things and some things that just drive you crazy again and again and again. We'll also do a little baseball, too, with just two weeks left in the season. Yanks had a tough one yesterday in Pittsburgh, and I know that you know some people were trying to leave the machine plugged in, if you will, keep the respiratory machine going, giving them a sign of life down the stretch. Come on, they're not making the playoffs. But there are some other teams, and some teams apparently just – don't want to even take a playoff spot, even though it's being given to them, essentially. We'll get into all that stuff over the next couple of hours. We roll till 9. Overreaction Monday. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. That was delivered by Brian Dayball yesterday when the Giants found themselves down 20 to nothing. As we welcome you back in here to an overreaction Monday, Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. Remember, you can tweet at me as well, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. But you know what? I like what I saw from the quarterback yesterday. Right? I mean, think of how many of the great ones struggle through the first half of the game. Struggle sometimes even in the first three quarters of the game, but make plays when they have to in crunch time. You think that was a – I mean, look, I'm not comparing the two players specifically, but, I mean, did you watch the Chiefs yesterday? Did you see how tough sledding it was for Patrick Mahomes and them for the first half of that game? And then they finally got it going a little bit in the second half, and it was good enough to win the game. Right? Just find a way. And he did that yesterday. And, you know, when you saw some fire, you saw some emotion out of the quarterback, too, in the late stages of that game on the sideline with his teammates. I mean, that's what you want to see. Because, remember, we talked about this all summer long. This is nothing more than a two-year audition for Daniel Jones. Now, I know that maybe audition isn't the right word, given the fact that he's been here already for a few years. But that, in essence, is what it is. You know, they're not married happily ever after Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, right? They can get out from this new contract extension after next season if it doesn't work out or if they feel that they can upgrade the most important position in all of sports. Here was Brian Dayball, the head coach, on how Daniel Jones performed in that second half. Yeah, I thought he finished strong, played a really good second half. You know, we had a couple things could have improved on in the first half, talked about those. Uh, But he's a resilient young man. Um, and went out there and played well, along with, I'd say, a, a number of people. I still believe in the coach. I still believe in the direction. I said that to you last week after 40 to nothing. You can't jump ship after one game. It's not fair. This organization, this coaching staff, this front office, these players, they did too much good last season. You know, they deserve a little bit leeway after just one horrific performance right now they got to be better moving forward I know that and you know what if you ask me right now going into San Francisco on Thursday night and despite the fact what the Dallas Cowboys did yesterday the Jets and what they did to the Giants in week number one if you're asking me right now if you say hey Grasso who's the best team in the NFL for my money I'm still pushing my chips to the middle of the table towards the San Francisco 49ers to me they are still numero uno in whatever power rankings you want to have. So do I think right now, if you gave me two options, like a multiple choice test, Giants win the game on Thursday, or are they more likely to get blown out in the same vein that they did last week against the Cowboys? I'm probably going to say it's a better chance of them getting blown out, especially now when you're telling me that Saquon's not going to be out there too. They had to have this one yesterday. And look, I should be the one that's annoyed because I had the Giants as one of my picks on Friday night on the show, and they couldn't even cover the four and a half. What an, oh, what an awful weekend for me with the picks. Oh, 
all of them look like that, you know, well, except for the Giants, I'd say. The other two that I had were freaking Denver and San Francisco. Smooth sailing for a while. But and thanks to Sean McVay, who you know was up to something, kicking a meaningless field goal with no time remaining so his team loses by seven instead of ten. When the line was seven and a half or some people had it at seven, yeah, McVay knows what's up. He's a smart guy. He knows what's up. Brutal. Brutal weekend. Anyway, let's get to the phones. 800-919-3776. Richard in Florida. My buddy is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Richie, how we doing, my friend? Dan the man. It's great to hear you. I was Richie from Rochester for the summer. I was working up there. Came back down last week. Stopped in. Went to the Giant Cowboy game with my buddy. Oh, what? unbelievably horrific night. So obviously when it was 20, nothing yesterday, I mean, you got to understand the context for me is this. We've lost like five seasons to the Shermer judge McAdoo years. And last year brought me so much joy, just a, you know, one round of the playoff win, but Hey, you know, I was, I was loving it. And I'm, you know, liking Dave Bowen Shane and I'm a big Daniel Jones fan. So I was, you know, whatever. So like, to start thinking that that's a mirage was terrifying. So that second half, like, I mean, style points, I don't care. They just get the win. The one area where I feel like me and you are a little not on the same wavelength is I believe in Daniel Jones. He doesn't have to prove that much to me. He might, he might be the best thing they have other than Barkley. They could lose and he, he might be the, I mean, I just don't see that him as the problem. When I was at, I I want your opinion, but when I was at Mm. that Dallas game, they were getting blown off the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball so severely that there's no way to even analyze what the quarterback is doing. You know what I mean? Like No. No, you flush it. You know? the, 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 that, was a, that was a game you flush. No, but Richard, I'm not anti-Daniel Jones. I don't know what gave you that no, impression. No, I don't think All you're I'm... anti, but you're, but you're still kind of like, oh, you know, we're going to see him. I think he's a $40 million quarterback in the parlance of this NFL. I think they're lucky to have him. And, well, Richard, you know, you here's said the, the thing, though. They gave what? themselves they gave themselves some security in the event that yeah. it doesn't work out to where that they can get out from this in a couple of years. But you know what? You right. hope as a Giant fan that they don't have to do that. Right. I mean, no, no, I agree with you. It was a smart deal. It, you know, it left some flexibility. But one thing, Dan, you know, you're saying you love that fire on the sideline from Daniel Jones and all that. But remember, the strength of Eli yeah. was that he didn't, like, light up his receivers or he never blamed anybody. He kept an even keel, and that's how Daniel Jones is. So I know you want to see a little more dog, as they say, in the parlance. But I think his personality suits the fact that they've got some young receivers. And, you know, he's not going to, you know, hamper them. You know, I mean, he's going to support them. He's not going to single them out. I'm a believer, man. I mean, what the only thing I'm not a believer in right now is the schedule. The schedule oh. is rough. <laughs> Rich. That Rich, I told you, and I thank you for the phone call, buddy. Good to hear from you. Here's the problem. That, that Again, for the millionth reason, that's why they had to get that one yesterday, right? San Francisco, Seattle, Miami, Buffalo. That's brutal. I mean, right now, think about it. The next four for the Giants are tougher than the next four for the Jets. And all we heard about all summer long was how brutal the first six games were for the Jets. But now the Giants are the ones that look like they have the more daunting schedule ahead of them for the next month. Hey, man, the NFL's hard. You know, it, it, it's hard to win any game. Coaches say it, players say it all the time. And what I was talking about with the, the emotion from, from Daniel Jones, not so much that he's, like, lighting up his guys on the sidelines or anything, no. But when he had that quarterback keep 
and he ran it into the end zone there in the third quarter. I mean, like, you saw the fire from him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he got into it. He was trying to pump up his guys, and that's cool to see. But, yeah, he's even keel. He's steady, Eddie. And, hey, maybe that's one of the reasons why they liked him so much coming into the draft because he was almost like an Eli clone. I mean, that's been articulated before. Chris and Beth Page is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? Hey, Dan, just to follow up with the previous caller, yeah, I'm a big Giant fan, and I'll say this. I was so happy what I saw. And, I'm, you know, I'm just tired of all I heard on talk radio today. It's always, you know, no one can just be happy with the win. I don't care. A win is a win in football. They don't come easy. They just don't. I don't care if you're playing. By the way, I had Arizona. I had uh, Washington in my lockout pool the week before against Arizona, the lonely oh. Arizona team that's trying to lose. They had six sacks. I was watching that game. I sweated that whole game out. They're not nearly as bad. And that Dobbs played great. And you know what? I like the adjustments the Giants made. And one thing nobody talked about today, nobody, is Waller is is what he's was cracked up to be. Daniel Jones, like, I know you were doing a Jet game, so you probably didn't see it. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the whole Giants well, game. Yeah, Chris, I, I mean, boy, yes, I watched the game last night when I got home. Absolutely. Okay, good. All right. So yeah. second half, all I'm saying is, when Daniel Jones, they gave him a clean pocket, too, by the way. And, and kudos to that offensive line that everyone ripped in the week before. But here's, here's the way I feel going forward. Uh, I'm very high on them. I love that Julian. I love Hyatt. Hyatt was great. Paris Campbell. Mm-hmm. He spread it around to all these weapons. And we're finally seeing it. They gave him a clean pocket. And I think this is, this is the Giants you're going to see going forward. You know what I mean? I really do. I think this is what I was expecting. And it happened in the second half. Granted, I had to wait six quarters for it. But I'm very big on what I – listen, they're definitely going to lose to Frisco. I get it. And Dallas and Philly, they're not in their league. I get it. I really do. They haven't really closed the gap on those teams yet. But, you know, the rest of the NFC, they can hang with all those teams. I mean, I'm already saying they'll lose to Frisco. Then they play Seattle. They have, like, uh, 11 days off. That game will show us everything we need to know about the Giants. That whole Monday night to Seattle, if they could get back to 2-2, two and two, and they can just – that will show me yeah. how much progress they've made. And, Chris, that's – you know what? That's the next kind of measuring stick game. You're right, and I thank you for the phone call, right? I mean, shoot, if you if you could somehow get that Seattle game and be 2-2 two and two after the first four, when you're probably not going to have Saquon in all probability for at least two of them, right, because he's not going to play Thursday, and he may not even play the Seattle game, even with the 11 days off. Plus, your offensive line now is banged up a little bit. You take it. You take it. But enjoy this one. Enjoy this one. We'll get more giant calls coming up at 800-919-3776. Oh, yes, Waller had a big game yesterday. We've only been telling you all summer long how big of an acquisition this was for the Giants, and that's why it's so important to keep him on the field. It's going to become Daniel Jones' best friend. We'll get into the disaster down in Big D. And what type of conclusions do you draw from that one if you're a Jet fan? Tell you what we think. Grasso Show till 9. It's an overreaction Monday right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Two games that the NFL has given us this evening. Remember, you can tweet at me as well, at Dan Grasso, G-R-A-C-A. We'll get back to the Giants as we move forward throughout the program. We'll also go around the league and recap some of the Week 2 action that stood out and maybe left a little bit to be desired. But got to talk about what happened in Dallas yesterday. And I'll put it this way. You know, talking to a lot of folks leading up to that game, right, whether it was on the air, off the air, regardless, out and about. Some people expected exactly what happened yesterday in that game at Jerry World. Others didn't, right? Some people are going to dissect that game yesterday and point the finger squarely at the quarterback because that's a convenient thing to do. It's easy, right? You're the quarterback. More often than not, you make the most money. You bear the most responsibility. And remember, quarterback is the only guy in uniform that has a wins and losses record attached to his name. Quarterback. He gets all the bullets. So, of course, when a team loses, especially in lopsided fashion like the Jets did yesterday, they're going to throw the slings and the arrows at the quarterback. Because the quarterback, at least this one in particular, has been a popular target over the first two years of his career for all the criticism. Right? Now, some people, though, are going to look back on that game and digest it, take it all in, and then maybe sleep on it a little bit and then wake up and realize, you know what? There were a lot of things that went wrong in that game yesterday, and I don't think the quarterback was the number one reason why they lost 30-10. to 10. I think that there were a lot of components to the football team that bear some responsibility as to how that game went, right? Let's start with the defense, for example. Now, look, I didn't make too much of it when it happened. A lot of other people wanted to take that comment and run with it and just continue to throw shade at an organization which was maybe getting pumped up a little bit more than maybe they should before Aaron Rodgers went down four plays into the season. But the DJ Reed 85 Bears comment, right, that was out there. And, and look, Somebody asked him a question, like, what do you want this defense to be? What can you be? And look, he, he, he went right for the sky. He set the bar extremely high, which, you know what? Confidence is not a bad thing. If you don't have confidence, you're not going to be in the league. You're not going to get to those levels as a professional athlete, which is where all these guys are. But I'll say this. Want to be the 85 Bears, can't be out on that field for 83 plays. I don't know if the defense was play, paying tribute to the 85 Bears yesterday and wanted to you know, honor them by staying on the field for 85 plays for the Cowboys. They came close. Came close. 83 plays and then your offense only runs 46. You're not going to win too many games, right? Time of possession, 42 minutes and change for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. And your offense had the ball for 17 minutes. Not going to get you very far. Not at all. Third downs, you let the other team convert 50% of their third downs. Jets, meantime, only converted one out of 10 tries. Not good. 
And, you know, we sat here over the last week, and we really gave a lot of credit, rightfully so, to this defense, right? Four takeaways for how they played on Monday against the Buffalo Bills. And when when Aaron Rodgers went down, that defense did what it had to do to keep them in the game. Only gave up 16 points. Turned the ball over. Four, forced four takeaways. Yesterday, they didn't force one takeaway. Instead, it was the Jets who turned the football over four times. See, so there's a formula, right? You know, plus C.D. Lamb running wide open all day long. Remember, Brandon Cooks didn't even play in that game yesterday. Who's a very capable wide receiver? He was out. C.D. Lamb was still running free all up and down that field yesterday at Jerry World. So, look, even the 85 Bears stubbed their toe once, right? The game that they lost. That Monday night game to Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins when he was sitting there and picking them apart to the Marx Brothers all night long. Right? So you're not going to be perfect each and every game. But if you want to play at a high level, and if you think that the unit and the defense could do such great things, well, then you better put this one behind you fast and go back out there next week and be the guiding force as to why this team can still do good things this year, even without Aaron Rodgers. Because we talked all week about a formula. A formula that has to be executed now that number eight is no longer under center. And what's that formula? Same one you saw on Monday when they beat the Bills. Got to play great defense. You got to create some turnovers. And you probably got to run the football. They didn't do any of those things yesterday. Complete opposite. Like, none whatsoever. You want to talk about the running game? (laughs) Running game? What running game? You know who the leading rusher was for the Jets yesterday? was the quarterback. And he showed some hops, but that's not what he's here for. But from the three guys that you're actually, like, paying money to carry the ball for you if you're the New York Jets, 10 carries for 24 yards. Not good. Now, granted, I understand that you're not going to run the ball as frequently When you fall behind like the Jets did, when you don't have as many plays offensively, it's going to restrict you to what you could do on offense. It essentially makes you one-dimensional, too, which if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, you could say, all right, you know what? We can live with one of those battles because that's what we got this guy for. Not with this quarterback, though. That is not the way you want to go about winning football games. And it just blew up in their face spectacularly yesterday. And they couldn't get out from under it. And I think that this game turned in the second quarter. It was a 10-7 game, despite the fact that the defense had been out on the field, it seemed like forever, already up until that point. 10-7 football game. And then you had Sauce drop that interception, which would have been a pick six. By his own admission, he said he's got to secure the ball, right? Everybody knows that. But if he gets that one right down the sidelines, then the Jets are up 14-10. Who knows how the rest of the game plays itself out. So instead, it's an incomplete pass. Then on that drive, they get into a third down situation, and you have that ridiculous roughing the passer penalty on John Franklin Myers. Like, look, I know the NFL has gone cuckoo over the last few years and the way that they protect these quarterbacks now and some of the bogus roughing the passer penalties that are thrown. I I mean, laughable. But if you're John Franklin Myers or anybody in that situation playing defense in the NFL, 
what are you supposed to do when you're being dragged to the ground, which I don't know, that might have even been a holding penalty, when you're being dragged to the ground and you're still trying to bring down the opposing quarterback because he has the football in his hands, right? That's the game of football. That's the objective. So you're being dragged to the ground. You make contact with the quarterback around his waist. Around his waist. What are you supposed to do? Now you get penalized for it. And because it's roughing the passer, like John Franklin Myers, he can actually get fined by the NFL. Like he might get a letter in an envelope in his locker when he shows up to work on Wednesday. He might get a fine for the league from that because the ref threw the flag. What is he supposed to do? All right, whatever. Stay of execution for the Dallas Cowboys' fresh set of downs. Then another third down play on that sequence. Dak throws to the end zone. He got a pass interference call on Brandon Eccles. On third down, that makes it first and goal at the one. So one, two, three on the same drive. Opportunities to get off the field to make a play. They didn't do it. Instead, Cowboys score. And because of another penalty on the touchdown, they move the ball up to the one-yard line and elect to go for a two-point conversion, which they convert, and it's 18-7. to Then the Jets drive that next sequence. They take the ball all the way down the field. Zach Wilson breaks off a few nice runs, showing that athletic ability. You're thinking, all right. You know, that wasn't even necessarily like happy feet. It was like, hey, the Red Sea parted. I got a lane. I'm going to try to take advantage of it. And then on that third down play, he's got Garrett Wilson wide open in the corner of the end zone right by the pylon. He goes to put it on him, and his hand gets hit by Demarcus Lawrence coming around Makai Becton which is another thing we got to talk about here in just a second. But if he hits Garrett Wilson, then you're talking maybe 18-14 instead of the field goal to make it 18-10 at the half. And then in the third quarter, after it was 21-10, Dalvin Cook fumbles the football on another, another spectacular play by Micah Parsons, and that was really game, set, match at that point. And by the way, Dalvin Cook, I think he's going to do good things for this team. It's nice that he's here, especially in light of Aaron Rodgers going down. But... That's one of the things that Dalvin Cook has to fix because he fumbled the ball four times last year, which was the most of any running back in the National Football League. Can't have it. Especially if you're playing shorthanded on offense a little bit here, you got to secure the football. And especially in a game like that where nothing is going your way and you're not taking the ball away from the other team, you have to protect the football. And I saved the offensive line for last because, look, I get that Micah Parsons wrecked the game. And that was probably as much of a disruptive game I've seen from a defensive player in a good long while. Right? I remember when, you know, guys like Ed Reed, Troy Palomalu were there doing their things. Like in those teams, like those Ravens teams, championship teams, Steelers championship teams, they all had great defenses, right? But the guy to me, in both of those units, that was irreplaceable were those two safeties, Ed Reed and Palomalu. Because whenever you were lucky enough to get them, if let's say one of those guys weren't in the lineup, those defenses were different. They were still good, but they weren't quite the same. And those Ravens teams even had Ray Lewis, among others. But Ed Reed was the guy who, to me, changed things. Parsons, I, I, I mean... You don't like to say the name because it's sacrilege in this town, but 
That was almost LT-esque, what we saw yesterday. And it didn't matter if Parsons was lined up on the outside. didn't matter if they lined him up inside. It didn't matter if he was stunting on the inside and broke free. He wrecked the game yesterday. And look, you're not going to face a team and a defense that has a player as dangerous as Micah Parsons week in and week out. But when you do, you got to find ways to combat that. And I don't think that they did a good enough job yesterday. Whether it was the tackles, whether it was the interior of the offensive line, that, was got, that had to be a very, very honest and tough film session probably earlier today at Florham Park. That's just my guess. So let's see. The defense was on the field way too long yesterday. The offensive line didn't hold up. The run game was non-existent. They turned the football over four times. Anything else? I would say if you add up all those things, I think they were lucky to only lose 30-10. to 10. But here's the good news before we get to the phones. Here's the good news. You know what the good news is? You probably could have even lost this game even if Aaron Rodgers was playing quarterback. Because the Cowboys look like a good team in their place. That was a tough assignment on a short week. But it's just one game. It's against an NFC opponent. It's not going to hurt you in tiebreakers down the road potentially. And you come back home now on Sunday in front of your fans, MetLife Stadium, and you got the Patriots. You win that game, not only do you go to 2-1, and one, but you're 2-0 and oh in your division. Right? 2-0 and oh in your division. That's huge. Not to mention the fact that it'll be the first time you beat the Patriots since basically, you know, Dwight Eisenhower was in the White House, it feels like. A huge game. Not going to be easy. Nothing is going to be easy anymore. But it's certainly winnable. And you're going to have a Patriot team, which in essence is playing for their season this week. Because if they fall to 0-3, they're pretty much done. But we got the rest of the week to talk about what's going to come up Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Let's talk about yesterday. 800-919-3776. Dan Gross' show, it's Overreaction Monday, right here on 9870 ESPN. Look, you know, the old saying, Darrell Revis was one of those guys, Jet fans watched him all those years, he would travel, right? Before the ball was snapped, if a wide receiver went in motion, if that was Revis's guy, he would go in motion just, with, just the way the wide receiver did, and he would mark his man. You know, I remember the, uh, the back and forth when Richard Sherman became uh, a thing with the Seattle Seahawks, and, you know, he became like the top corner. Richard Sherman was a guy who did not travel. They didn't play the man out there with the Legion of Boom, same thing. So anybody that wanted to make those comparisons, and whether it was on social media and the back and forth with Revis and Sherman, well, you know, why don't you travel? Well, he never did that. And, oh, by the way, Robert Sala was a defensive assistant on those Seahawks teams with the Legion of Boom earlier on in his career. And that's kind of how they just run this defense now. And as we keep saying, it, it's, it's predicated heavily on those guys up front getting pressure on the opposing quarterback. They don't like to blitz a lot. They rely on those front four to do all the damage. And if they don't get home, that's why by playing zone, they think that they're going to take away the big play. And that's what it's intended to do, right? You don't want anybody to get past the last line of defense, keep everything in front of you. So it kind of frustrates you at times as you're watching it because a quarterback, if they exhibit enough patience, they could just drop back and pick the defense apart, you know, throw a lot of underneath stuff and take what the defense gives you, essentially. But I don't think that that had any impact necessarily on what C.D. Lamb did or didn't do in that game yesterday. Give him credit that he found the soft spots in that zone 
and he and Dak Prescott were able to pick the Jets apart yesterday. You want to say that they were thinking of dunking them a little bit? Fine, whatever. But you know what? It still counts just the same. And more importantly, it kept that Jets defense on the field a lot longer than they wanted to be. So that's a credit to the Cowboys. Tommy in Long Island is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tommy, how are you? What's up, Tommy? First of all, how are you doing? Good. First of all, how can – did you see the time of possession? Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really bad. So how can we – you know, that's, like, really bad. Uh, Zach Wilson, we have to stick with. And if we don't beat New England uh, next week, then we have to do something about getting a new quarterback. What do you think about that? Well, look, he's going to get at least a, a, a couple of more weeks here, I would think, Tom. And I thank you for the phone call. Despite the fact that things didn't look all that pretty yesterday, I'm just going to keep going back to what I said. You know, very few did anything positive out on that field yesterday in the Jet uniform. Right? There's a lot of things you could find fault with. Zach Wilson isn't number one on top of that list. It's not. But he's got to be better. Defense got to be better. The offensive line's got to be better. They got to get that run game going. You know what? Defensively, here's another part of it, too. I didn't think they tackled very well yesterday. They couldn't wrap up. That also contributed to them not being able to get off that field. Tommy in Connecticut is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tom, how are you? Good evening, Dan. Uh, Tommy, how's things? I'm sure you're up against it. So, uh, just I was going to talk Jets and Giants O-line and Micah Parsons, but... Go for it. I think your your point about uh, about sauce is like so it's it it's so on point because you think about it, you can either be a man defense and you're turning your back, and with all the athletic quarterbacks now, that makes so many opportunities for running lanes. And if you're in zone, you can at least take half the field away and then be opportunistic, you know, breaking on a route. So I. I I kind of I kind of get what Salah's doing. They're not the only ones. You know what I mean, Tom? They're not the only ones that play defense that way in the NFL, right? I mean, like I said, yeah. there's a couple of different ways to skin a cat. That's the direction that they decide to go here. And here's the other problem. If you are going to play heavy man, you better have guys that can actually, number one, be able to execute out on an island, which the Jets have two good corners, which we know. But then you also need to have a pass rush, which is supposed to be able to limit the amount of time that you want your corners out there covering. Because, remember, playing defense nowadays in the NFL, it's hard. You might even have a guy locked down, but God forbid, if you put a fingernail on the wide receiver, they're going to throw you for pass interference more often than not. Oh, you can't, you can't touch a receiver. You can't touch the quarterback. So, I, I mean, it's almost like, do you, do you go back to, like, the old school Tampa 2, you know, man underneath and the two deep safeties and just say, all right, here we go. Could, because what did those guys do? They were able to get after the quarterback as well, right? Uh, so that's what made their job easier, and they had some ball hawks back there. One guy just got into the Hall of Fame this offseason, of course, in, uh, in Rondé Barber. That was one of the top defenses that we've seen. That was a championship defense. Real quick, what's your, uh, what's your giant point, Tom? Oh, just I, – so I, I, I didn't get to watch a ton of the Jet game, but going from watching them play the Cowboys, uh, you know, against the Giants and the Jets, Micah Parsons is – He's unbelievable. And they line him up everywhere. So it's like you don't even know which gap he's coming at. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, so it, I don't know how you – you really can't even fault any of the offensive lines because 
you know, whether it's, you know, Dwayne Brown or whether it was Mark Lewinsky or Evan Neal, it, he was just feasting on, on – he did it two weeks in a row. It's, it, the, the guy's incredible. I hate it. He's a freak. He, he's an absolute freak in a good way, Thanks. Tommy, and I thank in. you for the phone call. Here, here's the thing about Micah Parsons, and I said this last night when I was on with um, Bruce Beck uh, after our show on, uh, on NBC. You know what? Micah Parsons, his first two years in the league, he was the runner-up for defensive player of the year in each of his first two seasons. I mean, would it shock you if he finally gets a few more votes and wins the award? He's the winner right now. I mean, the hell, you know what? The hell with that. The hell with that. He might even make a run at league MVP. He might get some votes there, which now, I mean, if it doesn't go to qu- to a quarterback, it will be an upset just because of the way the league has evolved. But you only have, I think, there's three people, if I'm not mistaken, in the history of the game, defensive players who have ever won the most valuable player in the NFL. Alan Page won it for the Minnesota Vikings once upon a time. LT won it in 1986. He was the league MVP. And Ray Lewis won it one year. If I'm not mistaken, those are the only three guys. You know what? The way Micah Parsons is playing, geez, if you project this out over 17 games, be hard-pressed to pick somebody else, right? And the Cowboys are going to win games because of it. All right, 800-919-3776. More of your calls. We'll also go around the league. Recap week two around the National Football League. Overreaction Monday. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN.